Simchas Torah is a really joyous time where we celebrate the Torah, or as we're about to discover, we celebrate the unique contribution that we make to the Torah. We're going to look at something the Friedrich Rebbe said in a famous Simchas Torah Sicha, <coughs> and based on that, get a whole new perspective, not only on Simchas Torah, but on our contribution to the Torah. Friedrich Rebbe once said in a Simchas Torah Sicha, Tav Shin Hei, that Simchas Torah is like three gateways that open up. What opens up on Simchas Torah are the gates of light, the gates of brocha, and the gates of success. All of those gates are open and we grab the opportunity to access these gates and to access the light, the brocha, and the hatzlocha through Torah. That's what the Friedrich Rebbe says. Says the Rebbe, we know that the words of our Rabbeim are absolutely precise. The fact that the Friedrich Rebbe goes into three details, the gates of light and of rocha and of success. In spite of the fact that he immediately follows on by saying, all of the gates are open, why does the Friedrich Rebbe highlight those three as Muchoch that indicates? As the Iker Uftu from Simchastera, that the primary impact and achievement of Simchastera is Vosdan Zain and often Didraishiorim, is the fact that these three, out of all the various gates to heaven that might be might exist, the fact that these three are open, that tells you what Simchastera is all about. Therefore, that from Fashtem, we have to ask the question, what is the unique link between these three gates of light, brocha, and success, specifically to Torah? which is, of course, what we celebrate on Simchas Torah. And to take it further, we also have to understand, we know that the six days of creation, correspond to the six millennia of the existence of the world. Therefore, the fact that light was created on the first day of creation, which means that light was created prior to the third day of creation. And the significance of the third day of creation is, the third day of creation, the double kitoy, the day of exceptional goodness, corresponds to the third millennium when Torah was given to the world. So what do we see? Light precedes Torah. Surely that tells us absolutely. Surely that indicates that the gateway of light pre-exists the Torah, and therefore is not dependent on the Torah. So why then does the Friedrich Rebbe say that you access the gate of light through Torah? It doesn't seem to be the way that it actually happens. And likewise, in Azoyach ben Brocha, you could ask the same question about the gateway to Brocha. Is doch we know very well, and one of the key reasons why the Torah starts with the second letter, Beis, and not the first letter, Allah, Bereshis, is Valbez is Lashem Brocha because Bez represents the word Brocha. That implies is Dochtinu from Brocha given Gleich Vascholah Sabria that Brocha existed from the first moment of creation. Same question is Favos Zotmen. Why then would the Friedrich Rebbe say Ashare Brocha Zanin Farbunen Dafke Mitoira that to open the gateways of Brocha depends on Torah? It doesn't seem to be that way historically. Brocha predates the Torah. Now the question is even greater than that. Ishaid is not greater. Because as we well know, Medrash tells us 
that the world was created complete with everything that it needed. Kum tois, therefore you have to say as the inyan ha the concept of brocha wasn't just in its generic sense. Vasamurumas in the base from Bereshis, which as mentioned is represented by the base, the first letter of the first word of the Torah. Everything that was created was created full. So if bracha was introduced at the beginning of creation, it must be full bracha. Same thing about light. In fact, specifically about light. Not only was there full light at the beginning of creation, it was an unusual light that we haven't seen since then. Because is Dr. given on the light that was created at the beginning of creation had none of the restrictions or the limitations of light as we know it. the famous Gemara, which tells us that the light at the beginning of creation was so powerful you could see from one end to the other end of the universe. So not only was there really light and brocha before the Torah, but there was full light and full brocha. So what could the Torah possibly add? In other words, So now we've illustrated that not only is light or brocha not completely dependent on Torah, but it actually appears that the most perfect light and the most perfect brocha is not dependent on Torah. Why then did the Frida Kerber say that the way we gain access to the gateway of light and the gateway of Brocha is specifically through Torah when it doesn't seem that that's actually the historical fact? Okay, so we'll suggest a particular answer at first. It won't be our final answer. Perhaps one explanation is as Ishlemus from the Brivizis Mitzad Atzmo. There's a there's a perfect, complete world in context of the created reality, which means mitzad nivroim, the experience that we have as created beings, which very well would include and, and speak to the reality of a perfect world. They created a perfect world. Everything's there. All of that is is a perfection within a finite reality and the finite reality of the created world. So the fact that the sun rises every day, the fact that plants grow, that rain falls, is all perfect in a finite world. So maybe you could say that's perfect in context of a finite world. It's not perfect in context of perfection. It's not ideal. It's not the ultimate. Perhaps that's the reason that we say that if you want the real exposure to the gateways of both light and of brocha, well, for that you need Torah. Because in this context, what kind of light and what kind of brocha are we describing? We're talking about the truest form of light and of brocha. As they are in the ultimate state of perfection. Light in Hashem's reality, reality, where Hashem is obviously the ultimate perfection. Brocha in Hashem's reality, which is the ultimate perfection. In other words, let's not say that what in our experience is perfect is the ultimate perfection. There's something beyond that, and to get there you need Torah. So the only way you're going to get to the Abish's version of either light or brocha will be through Torah. Because what Torah does is it 
pulls away the barriers between our limited lowly reality and the higher divine reality. And therefore, Torah gives us access to how things are from Hashem's perspective. So maybe that's the answer. Yes, Hashem created a world that is perfect in the context of a finite world. We want to access something that is beyond the finite world, that is in Hashem's realm. To get there, we need Torah because Torah is the only thing that strips away the barriers between us and Hashem. As beautiful as an explanation that is, it's actually not sufficient. For a couple of reasons. Val, first of all, Aleph. If he says, If that is really the message, that Torah takes us to a whole different level of light and of bracha, well then the message is completely missing in what the Friedrich Rebbe said. Because if we're going to say that the general principles of light and of bracha, and even the most perfect light and bracha, on Torah, they could exist without Torah. So then the message of the Friedrich Rebbe should have been, the Friedrich Rebbe should have emphasized, Friedrich Rebbe should have told us, there might be brilliant, perfect, beautiful bracha and light in the world as we know it, and the objective of Torah is to take us to something that is as Hashem knows it. He should have said that. Second of all, Baines, Plus, there's another very important issue to discuss. Why do we celebrate Simchas Torah at the end of Shemini Atzeres and not on Shavuos, which is the time of the giving of the Torah? Why? Because Simchas Torah follows on from Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur is the time that Hashem presented the second set of Luchos, and therefore, our great Simcha of Simcha's Torah is associated with that presentation of the second set of Luchos, which have double wisdom, double insight associated with them. In other words, there's much more knowledge, much more um, sharing of Torah that happened at the time of the second Luchos than the first. Now, with that information, if that's what Simcha's Torah is all about, celebrating the second Luchos and the additional angles and perspectives of Torah, Seeing as the Friedrich Rebbe said, how do we access the gateways to light, to brocha, to atzlocha, is through Torah. That's something the Friedrich Rebbe said after he first said, that Simchas Torah is a day that the gates are open. Is move on, that implies. As it must be that what kind of Torah was the Friedrich Rebbe describing over here? It has to be the experience of Torah that is unique to Simchas Torah. In other words, it must be that the Friedrich Rebbe is telling us all these gateways open through Torah. Which dimension of Torah? Specifically the part of Torah that is associated with Simchas Torah, the Luchos Shniyos, the second, so to speak, uh, level or, or uh, expansion of Torah. Now, if we wanted to go back to the, expre- the, the explanation we wanted to give, which was that there's perfect light in the context of a finite world, but Torah will give us access to an infinite light that is completely beyond the world. Because that will give us access to things from Hashem, the Creator's perspective, 
Surely, to be able to access Hashem's perspective, Hashem's perfect light, or Hashem's perfect bracha, surely the Torah as it was presented on Shavuos would give us that access. So why would this have to be something that the Frida Kreb is telling us, Simchas Torah is the day that it happens. Why Simchas Torah? Perhaps on Shavuos already we should have had gateways to the perfect light and brocha and atzlocha that Hashem could offer us. So we're missing something about what Simchas Torah is all about, and that's what we need to explain. Vetmen es fashtein, so we'll, uh, we'll understand what's going on over here. We've just listed three gateways, so now we're going to identify that Simchas Torah has three elements to it, which will help us to understand the nature of these three gateways. The three elements and aspects of Simchas Torah link to the three gateways that open through the Torah on Simchas Torah. Shari Oira, Shari Brocha, and Shari Atzlocha. Okay, so before we can understand what the three unique elements of Simchas Torah are, let's first acknowledge that Simchas Torah is a Yom Tov Sheni Shal Goliois, a second day Yom Tov which only occurs outside of Israel. So therefore, let's first look at what is common between Simchas Torah and every other Yom Tov Sheni, and then what is unique about Simchas Torah. There are two factors to consider when you look at a second day of Yom Tov. Number one, Aleph, the most obvious, is The most logical thing is that a second day of Yom Tov has to be the extension of a first day of Yom Tov. In Israel, the first day of Sukkot is Yom Tov. Because we're outside of Israel and there are various considerations that cause us to have to have a second day of Sukkot, the second day is the extension of the first day in our experience outside of Israel. That's the first thing we have to know. Bayes, the second thing we have to know is in, 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 in that second day of Yom Tov, the second day of Yom Tov has as part of its reality the unique beauty or nachas that Hashem gets from things that were instituted by the Rabbanon. Because the Torah does not say have a second day. The Torah says one day of Sukkot. And we, the rabbis, added a second day. And there's a certain geschmack that Hashem gets from the things the rabbis instituted. So that is part of the nature and energy of the second day of Yontav. And that's an element which you won't find in the first day of Yontav. So every single Yontav Sheni has these two components. It's an extension of the first day, and it has the value of being the great nachas and geschmack that Hashem gets from human input, rabbinic input. That's for every single Yom Tov Sheini. But Simchas Torah comes up to a dritter inyan. Simchas Torah is something more. Okay, so you've got the first day of Yom Tov, which is biblical, the second day of Yom Tov, which is rabbinic, and then what does Simchas Torah add beyond that? It's been discussed numerous times, says the Rebbe, the fact that Simchas Torah has its own name. Not like Acharon Shel Pesach, where you can very clearly see that it's the last day still associated with the holiday of Pesach. Simchas Torah seems to have independence. Is Muchoch, that indicates us as hot in sich that Simchas Torah has within it. Besides the obvious, that it is the second day of Shemini Atzeres outside of Israel, it must have its own independent value, the unique Simchas Torah content, and we need to find out what that is. So what is unique about Simchas Torah? So look, what did we say about Yom Tov Sheini? 
We said on the one hand, the second day of Yom Tov is only mandated by the rabbis. It's not mandated by the Torah itself. And yet is Adraba Mitzadem Guf Faranem and Amailoi Yom Tov Rishon Kanal. So in spite of the fact that the second day of Yom Tov is only rabbinic, we, we see that it has a certain advantage over the first day. That Abishai gets, in a sense, more pleasure and geschmack out of the rabbinic laws than even out of the Torah laws. So, you're going to see that same continuum applies to the third element of Simchas Torah, namely, that the celebrations of Simchas Torah are not a requirement by Torah. I feel They're not even required by the Chachamim. Everything we do on Simchas Torah, dancing with the Torahs, etc., that is all a minag. Kiloshan Azoyar, as the Torah says clearly, that there is a custom that the Jews celebrate together with the Torah. Simchas Torah, and they call it Simchas Torah. So, on the one hand, Simchas Torah seems to have the weakest obligation, not biblical, not even rabbinic, purely a minag. Yet, it's actually because of that, and this will be the key of what we're going to focus on, that Simchas Torah has an added advantage over that which is Torah-based and that which is rabbinic. Because it's explained in various places in Hasidus, that there's a certain advantage to Minag even over a biblical law and even over a rabbinic law, and we'll explain what it is a little bit later. So, so now we've seen that there are three elements. There's a Torah law, a rabbinic law, and a minag. We're going to see that all three elements are represented within Simchas Torah itself. Because first and foremost, from them nomen Simchas Torah, Torah Stam, the fact that we call this a day of celebrating the Torah without specifying which element of Torah, is Muchach, that indicates, as the Simcha is forbidden with Torah Bichlal, that the entire celebration of Simcha's Torah must apply to everything about all of Torah. And if we're talking about Torah in its most generalized or generic form, that's actually speaking about the Torah as it was originally given, the Luchos Rishonos. So Simcha's Torah, despite the chronology of it, that it's really after Yom Kippur and speaking about the second Luchos, it also incorporates the value of Torah as it was given at the first Luchos. Yet we've already identified that time of Simchas Torah is why the celebration of Torah is on Shemini Atzeres, or at least the second day Shemini Atzeres, or not on Shavuos, not on Shavuos. But the Simchas Simchas Torah is for Vundamitamitamitamitamitamitamitamitamitamitamitamitamitamitamitamitamitamitamitamitamitamitamitamitamitamitamitamitamitamitamitamitamitamitamitamitamitamitamitamitamitamitamitamitamitamitamitamitam
customarily celebrate with the Torah. So you see, within Simchas Torah, you've got all three elements. Pristine, original Torah from Hashem, an element of rabbinic Torah, and customary Torah. Because a minag actually reaches a level that is beyond Torah itself, and even beyond which give Hashem such nachas and geshmak, therefore the Zohar continues, after tells us that there's the custom to celebrate and we call it Simchas Torah. What does the Zohar say next? That they adorn the Sefer Torah with its crown. Why is that relevant? And that, that's why we dafka keep the crowns on while we're dancing, even though that doesn't seem so practical. That after and as a result of our great celebration around the Torah, which we perform in Simchas Torah, that produces, besides the physical act of putting a crown on top of the Torah, it actually produces a spiritual crown for the Torah. Which means we add something very powerful to the Torah, not just to the Torah as was presented at Har Sinai originally, but we even add something of huge value to the Torah as it was after the Luchos Shniyos. And here's the chap. Uh, sorry, I skipped a, a piece. Let's go back. Let's understand it. Let's understand what's so great about a minute. Let's start at the beginning. Why do we believe that the luchos, the second luchos, have such a major advantage over the first luchos to the extent that the Pasuk tells us that's doubled wisdom? That's because in order to get the second luchos, we had to do something very dramatic. We had to do this massive teshuva process to come back from the horrible space of the Egel Hazav. On the Shosh von Hisham is Yisrael and therefore, what was the catalyst for the second Luchos? Human, more specifically, Jewish input. Now, we know that the famous Major Shabbat tells us that the Ebersha, you know, there was the question, what, what takes priority, the Torah or Yidin? So the Ebersha says, look in the Torah, you'll see that it speaks to the Yidin. In other words, Dabriel B'nai Yisrael, Tzavis B'nai Yisrael tells us that the Jewish people, the Nishamas of Israel, are actually higher, greater than the Torah. Torah is there to service the Yidin. Therefore, at Matan Torah, what did we get? Torah as Torah is. At the time of the Luchos Shniyos Yom Kippur, what did we get? Torah as it is facilitated through the Neshamas of Jewish people, which translates into human beings doing Teshuva. Therefore, it's a higher dimension of Torah than what was originally presented because it's now Neshamas which are beyond Torah, fueling the Torah. But, Obe, but the fact remains, though, that the second Luchos was still handed to us by Hashem from on high. The fact that we did Shuvah was the catalyst to cause the giving of the second Luchos. The Teshuva didn't give the second Luchos. And therefore, the actual luchos was still presented from Hashem via Moshe Rabbeinu. Therefore, the luchos might have been produced by the power of neshamas, but it still just contains Torah. It doesn't contain neshamas in the second luchos. Remembering that neshamas are actually higher and beyond Torah. 
It's just in the realm of Torah, there's now this doubled value in the second Luchas. Because we're now talking about Torah, that was stimulated through human Jewish input. So what have we got? Matan Torah is a time where Hashem gives us Torah as Torah is. Yom Kippur, the Luchos Shniyos, is Hashem giving us Torah as Torah is stimulated, is driven by human Jewish neshama input, which is a higher dimension of Torah. But the minute to celebrate with the Torah on Simchas Torah, the entire thing is driven by Jews. It's not written in any book in the Torah. Even after we do something as a catalyst, it's still not written in any book in Torah that you have to have Simchas Torah. That produces a crown for the Torah. A crown obviously is something that sits beyond and higher than the system. Higher than the Torah. That produces a dimension of Torah that is even beyond the second Luchos with their doubled value and wisdom. Why? Because now it's the Neshama doing this work. The Neshama invented this Minag. We understand this concept that the three stages in Simchas Torah takes us to the highest stage, which is where the Torah that is defined as the protocol of Simchas Torah is totally the product of Jewish people, therefore the power of the Neshama, that will help us to understand the three gates that open up on Simchas Torah. So the three elements we've identified about Simchas Torah, namely Torah Bechlal, Firstly, Simchas Torah celebrates the Torah as it is in Torah reality. Then, Malas Lucha Shniois, the fact that it's after Yom Kippur, not at, at Shavuos time. So, that highlights for us the element of Torah that is upgraded because of human input, namely Tshuva. And then, beyond that, the Minag Lamevet Yisolim the Minag which is completely driven by Neshamas to have a celebration for Torah. They link up to the three concepts of light, brocha, and success, which we'll have a look at now. First, we'll look at the two that are easiest to identify and to distinguish, which is light versus brocha. The Chilik Tzvishan Uro and Brocha B'Pashtis is it's quite simple to distinguish between light and brocha because if you give somebody a brocha, then what's in your mind and what you focus on, what you consider, is the recipient. That's, that's where the brocha is headed. You give somebody a bracha, what you want is that that person should receive the bracha and it should benefit them. So who's the focus? The recipient. Light does not focus on the recipient. The sun doesn't come up in the morning and say, hang on a second, maybe you people are a little bit too warm or it's too bright for you, I'm going to turn it down. You walk into a room where the lights are on, they don't say, oh, Mazatov, somebody's here, let's shine. The nature of light is because the nature of a source of light is to radiate, therefore there's light, without any consideration for the recipient. That's why light just radiates. It doesn't have to be given like a brocha. As the Gemara tells us, the sun affects the whole world equally without discrimination. So the sun will even shine in a place that is completely filthy. Even though that part of the world is not going to benefit from the sun. Nothing's going to grow over there. Nobody's going to appreciate the warmth. 
So that would help us to understand the link between the first and second luchos and light and brocha respect, respectively. Because by the Nesinavon luchos yishonos, when Hashem gave the first luchos at, at Shavuot's time, Matan Torah, that's the Abisha radiating Torah to the Jewish people. There is no first consideration. Let's make sure that the people can understand it, relate to it, accept it, connect with it, as Dalt Rebbe says in Tanya. Which is usually what happens when you learn something properly. Meet the Torah. At Matan Torah, there wasn't a shear. It's not that the Abisha sat down and said, let me explain these things to you. It was a presentation in divine terms from on high. And it was so intense. It was so powerful, intense, and overwhelming that the Jews who stood there at the time actually couldn't absorb and handle it. So it blew them away. Then the Shamas flew out of their bodies and they were, they were sent flying 12 kilometers away from the mountain. So therefore, everything about the first Luchos is represented by the concept of the gate of light. Light does not consider the recipient. Light just simply radiates because it is light. The emphasis with light is that the luminary illuminates. Whereas the second Luchos are completely different. How did they become second luchos? Because we did work, we did shiva. Because the Jewish people did teshuva, therefore the Abishah was so called, inspired to give them the luchos, to give them the second luchos. The whole thrust and purpose and goal of the second Luchos is what? That the Jews should get the Torah. And therefore, that's why the second Luchos would associate with the concept of opening gates of Brocha, where the Brocha is always tailor-made the recipient as Ezel Bakumendi Brocha, that the recipient should receive what the person needs through this Brocha. Like the Kiflaim Natushia. You should have added understanding and added wisdom and Torah Shabalpeh and all this information that will make Torah more palatable. Because as we know from our davening Friday night that we say whatever lands up being the last step in a process always indicates what was the first motivating thought of the process. Therefore, we can translate it here. What was the original intention and driver behind Hashem sharing this light and energy with the world? Why does they just shine light? So that it should be absorbed in a personal, meaningful way in whichever recipients and structures that light and energy is designed for. That's why the second Luchos have such a major advantage over the first. The first Luchos only speak about the mechanism, sharing light. The second Luchos speak about the purpose, who gets and absorbs and appreciates and uses that light. What happens later in the process indicates what was earlier in the plan. But now we're going to take that expression, Soif Maisev Machshavat 
a notch deeper. It's not just pragmatically that way. Look, how do you know what I wanted my house to look like? When it's complete, then you know what my original intention was. It's beyond that. The primus apirish and safe maisim achshavet is the deeper meaning of this concept that the last action indicates the primary thought. It's not just simply whatever you originally planned is what you see in practice when the process is complete. No, it's deeper than that. Sometimes what, what you see the real value is what happens after the process is complete and what the process causes that the langtin that tracks back to a dimension of the person that is so deep that it even precedes the conscious first thought for the process. Now, we all think like this. If you have a plan, your plan starts with an idea, then you have a whole lot of intermediate steps, and then eventually it becomes reality and say, ah, that was my original plan. What we're describing over here is that something emerges because of the plan, as we'll see in a moment, may not even have been something you could have anticipated, and that goes to a point that was so deep within yourself you didn't even know how to put it into a thought. Right? Something happened even before you began to think. Okay, let's use an example. The example is a particular person who has a particular skill and does the work of his skill, of his particular craft. And it turns out that this was just a masterpiece. It was the most successful outcome that imaginable. Is not the pshat as the woman hot sechel lechatchila gericht as the melacha vetaris come b'derechatzlocha. You can't say now the person, the craft, the craftsman, the artisan, when he started to do this particular process, his intention was that it would be so successful. Valdos kemenit visim, because you don't know what it's going to turn out. You know what the practical. We don't control outcomes. We just control processes. So you know you're going to put these pieces together. You're going to paint this picture. You're going to invent this particular thing. You know what it's going to do. But you don't know if people are going to adopt it. You don't know if it's going to be as magnificent as you expect it. You don't know what it's going to look like. The best that a person can do is get to work relative to their skills and their abilities. So let's say, for example, the person decides that they're going to invent a new app called Waze. Because I think it's valuable that people should be able to find their way around when they're driving. So you know what it's going to look like. But you, as the inventor of ways, you could never imagine how popular it would be, how successful it would be. And therefore the fact that it turned out beyond what the person envisioned when they first thought of the plan. With immense success. That that actually links to a part of the person that was so deep they couldn't have even thought of it. When it turns out at the end that your actions are hugely, wildly successful, that's what puts you in touch with the dimension of yourself you didn't even know you could think. That's how it is in the human world. It's representative of how it is, obviously, in a completely different way in the divine world. Because whatever plays out in our physical world is a reflection of how things work in the divine reality. So, what is the ultimate maise that Hashem wants? 
the grand plan is a home in the lowest realm, in the lowest reality. And how does it get made? Was Eden Tundorf, we do it, we're the craftsmen. Durch Zervoida, we do it through our Avoida. So you know what could happen is we could succeed in making the Dir of Tachtonim so amazing with wild success. It is possible that we could create a Dir of Tachtonim that is beyond the original so-called defined motivation and thought that Abish had. Is the Kavanah Sabriya Mitchila? Obviously, Davish's intention was that it should be the most successful, outstanding Dirib Tachtoinim. But the, the way that Davish envisages our wild success of transforming this world into his home is something that is so deep and so profound, it wasn't captured in the initial instigating thought that becomes the beginning of creation. Now that might sound abstract, so let's explain it at least briefly. The birindem The is the ultimate goal and purpose of all existence and creation is as The ultimate goal is not simply that God should have a home in the lowest possible reality. The ultimate goal and purpose is that Jews should create a home for Hashem in the lowest possible reality, and that that should be avoided their own self-propelled success. And therefore, the Ebesh's thought to create all the different spheres and worlds and realities, right at the beginning, the very first precipitating thought, must be, of course, relative to and affecting the created reality. So therefore, is a dikavona for Nisaba Kodesh Baruch Hu Liyos Leidirup Sachtoinim that the kavona intention at that point that Debishna wants a home in the lowest realm, Durch Davoida von Eden in Gansen Pekeach Atzmam, which should be through our self-propelled, self-driven efforts, Nit Arab Gitrogivor and Chilas Machshav von Debria. That intention didn't translate into the precipitating thought for creation. In other words, when Debishna says, "Let's make worlds." At that point, Abisha has to think, has to think in terms that are relative to the world. What drove that, what motivated that at the deepest level is something out of this world. What's out of this world? That humans, Jewish people, self-driven, should achieve the most outstanding That vision, dream, and objective remains so elevated, remains so abstract, remains so deep, so profound, that you can't even detect it in the so-called plan for creation. It remains completely aloof from the reality of the world. Therefore, it has no influence on the practical realities of the world. Therefore, it allows us the opportunity to produce this on our own without Hashem making it happen behind the scenes. On the meat is moving, as thus was even for nice to tackle like a water from the Sabbath, Kodesh Baruch Hu, Yisbaruch Dere B'Sachtoinim, therefore when we actually achieve what Hashem wants us to achieve, which is to make the world into this most amazing home for infinite divine reality, 
Because we'd be tapping into such an elevated reality that could never translate into the known reasons and motivation for creation. Not even in the deepest original seed of the idea of creation. We're reaching not only beyond creation, we're reaching beyond the plan for creation. Now, what are the tools that we use realistically to create this home for Hashem? Obviously, it's through Torah Mitzvahs with all its detail. But where do you see the ultimate, ultimate drive to fulfill Hashem's mission of making a home for Hashem? Not when you think, oh, that's a brilliant concept. I understand why we should do it or I feel spiritually satisfied by it. The ultimate way for us to create Hashem's home is because they just said so. That's why we're doing these things. It's not because it's going to give me long life or it's going to make my marriage better or whatever the case is. Like the famous expression that always used that uh, <clears throat> even if the Abisha had commanded us to chop trees, we do it with absolute dedication. And even when it comes to Minhagim, then suddenly you have a different reality. Nobody told us to make this Minag. The ultimate level to do every mitzvah is, because they just said so, nothing to do with me. Comes along a Minag. What's a Minag? That's something that we totally create from start to finish, because there is no Sivoy. In other words, the Rotsuna Elinazinzal Mekaims and the Minogi Yisroel. Does the Abishta want us to, to make these Minhogim? Absolutely yes. We're not loose cannons just inventing our own versions of Judaism. That's what the Abishta wants. But, this is the Rotsuna of Teremitsus Bechlal. The fact that the Abishta wants us to have Minhogim is so profound and so deep that it can't even be detected. In the Ratzon that Abishna wants us to do mitzvahs. That's why there's no clear directive. Do X. The ultimate human actions are hidden at a level that is beyond the original Machshava. That's the explanation of that when the Jewish people celebrate, as the Zayar says, according to Minag, they celebrate Simchas Torah. That produces a crown for the Sefer Torah. As we already touched on earlier, the crown of Torah implies something which is higher and greater than Torah. Even Torah as it was represented or as it was presented in the second Luchos. Because as we did mention, the great value of the second luchos is human input. We earned them. We did shiva. We got those second luchos. And therefore we define the reality of the Torah that was shared in the second luchos. But also, as we touched on earlier, the bottom line is the second luchos were given from on high. 
They're exactly like a bracha. Of course, the intention of the bracha is the recipient, but still, where does the bracha come from? Not from the recipient, it comes from the blesser. So therefore, therefore, that dimension of Torah is not yet the ultimate final goal and objective of the entire process. Therefore, through those elements of Torah, even Torah even even can only take us to the ultimate purpose of the conscious first thought of creation, which is an incredible achievement. But when Jews celebrate a minag, the minag of dancing and celebrating with the Torah. When we're now celebrating with the Torah, long after the Torah was given from on high, that's no longer oira, which is the first luchos. That's no longer brocha, which is the second luchos. This is hatzlocha. Hatzlocha is the unanticipated wild success of the product. As we already described, when does the Hatzlocha begin? After the product is complete. That's when you, it really takes off. Which allows us access to that which precedes what precedes the thoughts of creation. Now there's only one question though. What did we ask? We said, why Simchas Torah? Is, why is that the day to access Shari Oira and Shari Brocha? Surely those things were there already before the Torah was given. So now we understand, yes, of course, it's going to take us to a whole different level. But the truth is, we're back to the same question. Why is Simchas Torah time for Oira and Brocha? Surely Simchas Torah is a time for Hatzlocha, because the way we've described it, Oira belongs to Shavuos. Brocha belongs to the second Luchos, which is Yom Kippur. And only Hatzlocha, which is the uniqueness of adding something that you could never have even imagined, which is the concept of Minag, that should be the one for Simchas Torah. Because the great innovation of Simchas Torah is the Hatzlocha element. And the concepts of both light and Brocha already exist in Shavuos and Yom Kippur respectively. Why did the Friedrich say the Why do you say this is the day? Simchas Torah is when the gates of of light and brocha are open, and you access it through Torah. Why? Surely the gate of light is open on Shabbos, and the gate of brocha is open on Yom Kippur. So to understand that we know that when we learn Torah properly with real effort and investment that adds to the Torah like the concept of making a Chiddush we increase the content of Torah the concept of a Chiddush that we can add something to Torah that wasn't visibly there yes of course was all given to, to, to Moshe yes but we're the ones who bring it we're the, we add this dimension to Torah that wasn't there which technically is a requirement for every one of us to do but there's the Minig is exactly the same we know that a Minig has the status of Torah when Jews introduce a Minag, they add something that wasn't there originally within Torah. But now you may have a question. As we've already identified, 
the neshama originates at a level, a reality that is beyond the Torah. So that we get it. That, uh, that empowers Jews to add some new dimension within Torah because they're coming from a higher spiritual place. So therefore, of course, they can add value. But there's still a question. So we can add a dimension. How does that dimension now become part of Torah? That's quite a, it's, it, it sounds almost like a chutzpah. We're going to make something now part of the Torah on what basis? In other words, Okay, we could say that we have to conform. If the rabbis institute a new minag, we, as their constituents, we have to follow the minag. Or the gzeira, whatever it is that they institute. We get that. They instituted something, which they obviously have good reason for, and we have to follow. But the fact is we're saying more than that. We're saying that now becomes Torah. From this moment and on, there's a new aspect of Torah. There's a new minig. Going back to the same quotation that we so often use, and we just mentioned it before. That if there's a minag, even if the minag was not instituted by the great sages of the High Court, Supreme Court of Israel, as minag Israel, Torah who? The axiom is that a minag equals Torah. How? How does that happen? You want to say that we as a community want to accept a certain behavior? Great. But how does it become Torah? The explanation is there are two dimensions of Torah and this is critical for us to know. The one dimension of Torah is Torah equals Hashem's wisdom and Hashem's will. From that perspective is Torah so you could say, look, the Torah, as Hashem's wisdom, allows the possibility of us innovating within Torah. But then there's something far deeper. Base. Not that Torah equals Hashem's wisdom. Torah is one with Hashem. That means that's a dimension of Torah that is beyond wisdom and beyond will. That's Torah as it intersects with Hashem's essence from that dimension then when we add a new perspective in Torah it becomes part of Torah it's not just acceptable within the framework of Torah it becomes Torah how? let's see is because the Abish's ultimate goal and intention is the whole goal is human endeavor. And therefore the goal is that human beings through their efforts and their investment of energy can innovate in Torah. When a Jew innovates appropriately within Torah, obviously not Thamsak, uh, real Chiddush, that reveals that the Jew is one with Hashem's essence who can, just like the Ebishter made Torah, here this Jewish person is making an insight into Torah. Therefore, when a Jew has a genuine Chiddush in Torah, the Jew brings Hashem's essence into the space, into the picture, into the reality. And therefore they bring Hashem's essence into the Torah. So Torah that was Hashem's wisdom is now infused with Hashem's essence. 
Because Torah is almost, if you want, one degree removed. Wisdom of Hashem, and David connects it to Hashem himself. Definitely innovation that a person comes up with in Torah. Whether it be the kind of innovation where a person comes up with an insight in Torah because they've invested so much effort and energy. Or if it's the institutions of new elements of Jewish behavior like Minhogim, etc., they become a chelik from Torah. Why? Because we're accessing Hashem's essence from where Torah comes. Therefore, we can generate new perspectives, new dimensions of Torah itself. That will help us to understand what the Friedrich Rebbe says in the Sicha. As need no shari Not only the gates of success are opened on Simcha Sarah, because that makes sense. Hatzlocha is uniquely linked to human endeavor, creating something that you couldn't have even imagined, even the greatest spiritual beings couldn't have imagined. But even the gates of both light and brocha are also uh, linked to and connected to Simchas Torah. Because what is Simchas Torah? A holiday made by Jews. Not mandated by Torah, made by Jews. Even though, as we've already said, Oira exists in Torah right from Shavuos. Brocha exists in Torah ready from Yom Kippur. What's the truest type of light? The ultimate light is where everything of the source is revealed and shared. Even that which by definition is unshareable. Same thing. The bracha is you giving from the source of bracha. The ultimate is to expose the source of bracha. Not to give from the source, not to disperse. Because the ultimate truth is that Torah is one with Hashem. Therefore, we can conclude as Dafka Basimchas Torah on this very special, unique day of Simchas Torah. When the Yidden produce the crown for the Torah, we add to the Torah. How do we add to the Torah? By revealing and bringing into the space the root where the Torah originates. As Torah is rooted in Hashem's essence, we do that. That helps us to reveal not just success, which is the unique space of human endeavor, but the ultimate experience of Oira, not light from the source, but exposing the source and brocha, not blessings from where the source of blessings come, but exposing the source of brochas. And it's Hashem through that. We have all the brocha that we need for ourselves, for our families, for the year to come. And it's Hashem, the ultimate brocha to have Moshiach now.